0: Listeners, start your engines. Episode 22. Rob here. You can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasters, as well as crookedtable.com. On this episode, we're celebrating 30 years of Sister Act on this standalone episode here, discussing 1992's Sister Act and 1993's Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, uh, both of which, of course, are Whoopi goldberg the the legendary Whoopi goldberg who i've never really had a chance to talk about on the podcast before so it was a lot of fun on this episode to talk with phoenix cloudon of the film code podcast uh, all about those two sister act movies looking forward to what the third one's going to be and all that so let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump right into our conversation about sister act
1: Singer Dolores Van Cartier always wanted to be a star performer.
0: Nothing you can say can tear me away from my
1: God. But tonight, do, but she's I'm going to become like a star me. witness. Hey, is there a problem? I've never seen anybody killed before. If you testify, I'm going to put you in the last place on earth that Vince would ever look for you. She's an ideal prospect for rehabilitation.
0: Absolutely not. That is not a person you can hide. That is a conspicuous person designed to stick up. To. You, me. Look at me. Oh, I'm a penguin. I'd like to offer a great big hi there and hello to Sister Mary Clarence.
1: This stuff is terrible. It tastes like... There are three vows every nun must accept. The vow of poverty, mm-hmm. the vow of obedience,
0: mm-hmm. and the vow of chastity. I am out of here. Hey, Sister. Are we expecting any more of your friends?
1: This turns into a nun's bar. I'm out of here. There's got to be something
0: around here that I can do that's not going to chip my nails or annoy anybody. You will join the
1: choir.
0: The choir? We're terrible. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the Sister Act franchise, and I am honored to welcome back to the show Phoenix Cloud, and welcome to well, welcome to this. You've never been on this show. You were on. Close watch and 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 come. This is your franchise detour's debut. Yeah. So you uh, <laughs>
1: welcome. Oh man, thank you so much for having me on, man. I'm a big fan of yours, obviously, but yeah, just super happy and like you always get me on to talk about a movie that I've loved my entire life. And so, <laughs> you know, first it was First Wives Club, which I adore. I'll probably watch again once we're done <laughs> recording this episode. And now we're talking sister act. I mean, it couldn't have been more perfect because when you asked me to to come on, I literally just watched the movie. So I'm like, yes, it's it's perfect. Like it's so perfect. Yeah, yeah, I I love this movie. So yeah, it's gonna be
0: a fun time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, and I didn't even that the funny thing is that the you know, there's a little inside baseball on podcasting for people listening, but I think the real the the bigger challenge isn't finding topics it's finding guests that are reliable that contribute to the conversation you know we, we're always it's always kind of a crab shoot when you bring someone new on so once you were on for the first wives club episode and we clicked and you you know everybody could tell what a great podcast guest you are i was like oh we were talking in the conversation there i think we were talking about some of the other movies that you grew up with sister act came up and so a red flag went off in my head like ooh, keep that one in mind for the other show <laughs> And then, you know, because I, like I was telling you right before we started recording, I, I plan episodes like this to sort of brush up on a, a franchise that only has a couple installments, maybe Room to Grow. Uh, we've done Ace Ventura. We've done Mortal Kombat. We've done... People by now will have heard our Pee Wee Herman episode and our Happy Death Day episode. <laughs> so, you know, we're trying to mix it up and do all kinds of different genres. And Sister Act, when you brought that up, it was a huge that franchise was huge for me as well growing up. So tell people, before we get to to Sister Act and all things Whoopi, tell people everything you have going on about your podcast.
1: So, uh, of course, I am one of three hosts on the Film Code podcast. We drop new episodes every week. We are nearing the end of our second season. We have, I think, maybe three more episodes to go. I just actually scheduled our, our next episode to drop tomorrow. So that'll be exciting. By the, I don't know what, it will probably be in season three by the time this, so yeah. So we're going into season three. We're, we're so, so excited. I mean, we just had our award show. Worst person in the world won our best picture in our podcast. So thank you to everyone who voted. Yeah, it was a super, it's been a great time and we're available wherever you get you guys this podcast. So Look up Film Code Podcast. You will find us, myself, Zach Sneed, Brandon Maltz, killing it. So we're we're ready for season three. It's going to be a fun time. Awesome.
0: Definitely check that out. Wherever you're listening to Franchise Detours, go look for Film Code. So getting into Sister Act, obviously, can't talk about Sister Act before. First, kind of touching base on Whoopi Goldberg. So what is your relationship with Whoopi? Because she's to me one of those cross media icons mm-hmm. that, like, I-, I can't even imagine a time that Whoopi wasn't Whoopi. If that, if that <laughs> makes sense? Because I was born in '83, so when I was when I was a little kid, she was already like in Jumping Jack Flash and Burglar oh. and and thing movies like that before even pre Sister Act. So, it, you know, she's been through. Uh, film she's she's one of few one of the very few egots, especially living yeah. thanks to you know her oscar for ghost and everything and, and it's, it's you know talk show and stand-up hosted the oscars like there's nothing she hasn't done what is your relationship with whoopie was sister act maybe like maybe your proper introduction to Whoopi?
1: actually surprisingly no my like i always feel like i caught whoopie at the beginning but like i caught not not necessarily in the beginning. I caught Whoopi at the height of Whoopi. Like, you know what I'm saying? As 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 we put it. Like, you know, some people knew her as Whoopi Goldberg. Those of us who grew yeah. up, you know what I'm saying, in the in her heyday, we that's Whoopi. Like, no last name. Her name is Whoopi. Uh, so like I like that's when she sort of burst onto my radar. And the first thing I remember seeing was the color purple. And I was a kid, like watching The Color Purple. is not a film for kids. <laughs> like, yeah, not at all. Not a kids' film at all. And I just remember being entranced by that movie. Just thinking, like, "Wow, this is dark. This is like special." And I just remember thinking, like, every scene that Whoopi is in, I'm just like, "Wow!" <laughs> like I'm blown away. And then the very next thing I see her in is Ghost. And I'm like, you want to talk about two totally different roles? I was yeah, like,
0: absolutely.
1: What in the world? Like, it took me maybe watching Ghost like two, three times before I was like, hey, she Like, yeah. So, like, it was insane. But yeah, so that's sort of where I first came into Whoopi and, like, I have loved all of her work. Her work in stand-up, her work in television, her movie work. I mean, it's just, she's been tremendous throughout my entire life as a performer. That's that's one thing where I'm just like, as a performer, I don't think you get much better than Whoopi. Because I think she's sensational as at, at what she does. Yeah, and
0: you, and you can't get much more versatile than Whoopi. I mean, like we were saying... Yeah. Uh, on on camera voice work you know producing every like she's such a hands-on entertainer that you put her in any medium and she just thrives and flourishes to the point that like you said the color purple her first movie by the way and she she got an oscar nomination for that and then a few years later wins the oscar for ghost which, which is not a I wouldn't say I wouldn't describe that movie as a comedy, but it hers is is largely a comedic performance. It's kind of (laughs) the most quintessential Whoopi role because you get Whoopi doing Whoopi and you also get sort of a little more
1: pathos and a little more gravitas to that. It's it's character as the film goes on. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that that's the one that she won the Oscar for because it's like, you know, the color purple is the the more so deeply human story that the Oscars tend to tend to gravitate towards. And ghost is really, I mean, you you said it, it's quintessential, whooping. Like it's her in her element. It's a very funny character. But like, you know, this is a character dealing with a ghost. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is almost, yeah. this is almost a horror movie. Like, this is not the things that the Oscars, at least that that we've known in, in, in our lifetime, tend to tend to honor. And yet. Whoopi Goldberg won for that. So, like, that's that's crazy to me, but I do think it was a deserving win because Ghost is an amazing movie and she was incredible in it. So, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just weird that that's the one that she won. <laughs> but it's also one of those things that, like, you know, you see all this a discourse
0: on film Twitter and everyone's hating on everything. And then every once in a while, I remember, like, oh, yeah, that's right. Whoopi has an EGOT. And they're like, yeah, all is right with the world. Like, that just <laughs> feels... That just feels like like it should be the case, you know what I mean? Like right. she is she is ever present in, in pop culture. I think you're seeing that now. You know, obviously she's on The View and and it's still involved in Sister Act from the you know from the the stage production. She helped bring that to to Broadway and and kind of that's flourishing there. And then now coming full circle back to you know the Sister Act franchise. So. When was this When was this movie, when didn't this movie come your way? When was Sister Act, was this a, a huge part of Phoenix's uh, childhood? Because we had both of these films on VHS and saw them so much that when I rewatched it the other day with my wife for the first time in, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, I was like, oh yeah, there's this part. And oh man, this part's so good. Like as it was <laughs> gearing up because I'd seen it so much as a child and then right. just, you know, haven't haven't really circled back to it for a
1: while. You know, it's crazy. So like I told you, I watched it the day before you asked me to, to, to yeah. be on here and, you know, and I know this movie so, so well, like just backwards and forwards. So I fell asleep on it naturally. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I was, I was like, you're yeah, a comfort I, movie. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. It's one of those movies. I'm like, oh, I could watch this and and pass out. That, that's apparently how I sleep with the television on. Um so I woke up to your message and I thought it was hilarious. And then a few days after that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch them back to back, both Sister Act and Sister Act 2. Yeah. Uh, and rewatching the first one, man, I'm like, this is a movie that is just, I gotta, I, the one thing that stood out the most this time when I watched it is how well written it is. Because I just, I never really paid attention to that. Mm. But it is incredibly well written. I mean, for it to be this sort of comedy, musical type of story. I mean, when you really think of the concept of Sister Act. It's kind of weird that anybody came up with it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like. It's like if you ever played one of those games where someone's like, "Hey, take this thing and then take this other thing, put it together, and then make up a story from it, right?" <laughs> so, like that—that's what this was. It was like Las Vegas lounge singer and non-musical, and they were like, "What?" Like <laughs> <and> they just <laughs> somehow do these things fit together, right? Somehow found a way for these two things to connect, and I'm like. That's, that's really, like, and, you know, you think about it, we don't think about Sister Act in the, in the terms of an original film, like the way that we do now of, of original mm-hmm. films, but this was an original film, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This was, this was a just random concept that someone put together and made a hit movie out of, and, like, that's insane to me, <laughs> like, it's insane to me, but, like, you know, when I saw this for the first time, I think I like saw it on like uh like one of my aunt's old VHSs, and I was like, "This is great!" and (laughs) and yeah, just been just been in love with it ever since.
0: Well, the premise, and and as I think you're kind of alluding to, it feels like it shouldn't it shouldn't work. It feels like (laughs) a. It feels like the premise for like an old sitcom and then like, you know, Tom Hanks was on Bosom Buddies and they're like, oh, we're guys pretending to be women so we can live in this in this all female, you know, apartment uh, complex or whatever it was. You know, I I, this shouldn't work. You should hear that premise and be like, no, that's that's going to be dumb." And then when you watch it, you're like, oh, wait, no, like this has so much heart to it. And it's so smart. And it's mm-hmm. it's it, it kind of like the First Wives Club. It has it's the, one of these like classic 90s, really positive and, and unexpectedly sort of inspirational in a way, you know, that not necessarily because, I, you know, you're going to watch this movie and want to join a convent, but because it makes you. <laughs> It makes you want to, you know, find yourself in the way that she finds kind of that Dolores Van Cartier, which is the best movie name of all time. Absolutely. Um,
1: And like, I think think I'm going to have to double check here, but you know, sometimes, and I say this a lot on our show is like, it all depends on when a movie hits you and what, what also has been in your life around that time. And so, so I, what is it? this came out? And I want to say 94, ninety four, ninety three, ninety four. This is this is now ninety two, and then uh, the sequel was ninety three. Okay, yeah. So this dropped in ninety two, and then a few years after that, ninety six. I saw the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the the yes. Disney cartoon, and you know, y- you're talking about a musical that takes place inside of a convent. And then here's this animated movie that also has that story inside of inside of a church. And then there's another movie, another animated movie that I saw around the same time that you may be familiar with called The Prince of Egypt, which was Mm -hmm. also 1998. So like in a string of, you know, during this this time, I, I experienced a lot of films dealing with religion, dealing with music, dealing with these particular places. And so you get all of those things sort of back to back to back and it really co- sort of informs your opinion on, on the movies that you enjoy. So like, and those are three movies that I honestly would put in some of my favorite movies of all time. So like, yeah. yeah. And that's just sort of where it it landed for me in that, in that space of what is that? Like six, eight years or something like that. Where it's just like, that just, yeah, it just works. It just, it just works. And it hit me at the right the perfect time, the right age, everything. Yeah, and and the funny
0: connection as well. Mary Wicks, who does plays Mar- uh, Sister Mary Lazarus, and Sister right. Act does the voice of one of the hunter, <laughs> uh, one of the uh, gargoyles, like Gargoyles, and- and Hunchback. Yeah. So yeah, you have that connection as well. Yeah, no, that's it's true. There was a, a lot of sort of uh, religious entertainment, I guess, in the nineties, and I think the what the what works so great about this movie is that. If you're religious, it it works. If you're not religious, it still works because it's right. not, it's not trying to, it's not trying to preach to you. It's not. That's, yeah, it's not trying to convert you. Because just you know, just from my perspective, when I saw this, I was raised Catholic. I'm basically atheistic now, but I watch this movie and I'm not offended. I'm not like you know, it still works as a as a, a non-religious person. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't lose any of its impact. As far as you know, the themes, as far as the message, as far as the setting, as far as the characters, everything is still feels true and still feels authentic and still feels positive because it's more about it's more about banding together and and making a difference in the world and in the community, and than it is than it is. Hey, you have to you know you have to join you know our our belief system. It,
1: it's it's so funny too. That's that's something else I picked up on on second watch. If you look at even just the two halves of this movie, they're totally, totally different. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You have her her life in the in the moon. What is it? The moonlight lounge. Is that what they call it? Called? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Her life in, in, in the moonlight lounge and with Harvey Keitel's character, his name's not coming to memory. I think it yeah, is the basically yeah. purely on memory. Yeah. yeah. Vince and you know, that whole situation. And then when she gets to the convent, it's a totally different story. Like, yeah. Like, honestly, if they if they don't have that third act where they merge these things back together, like you would think you're you're watching just a totally different movie because think of that. Like she gets hidden in this convent and yet instead of hiding and shrinking, she wants to go out into the community and help people. And you know what I'm saying? And she fully embraces this life that she sort of thrust into that she obviously didn't want from the beginning. And it's just the, 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 tones of the two different movies. And I think even the look of them is, is really different. You see the darkness and the, the shroudedness of her life in Vegas. And then you see this openness and this is like a, a, even a color tone change once she's in the, the convent and dealing with the, all of these nuns and, and the community that they serve. I just think it's tremendous. But if you looked at just those two sides of the movie, like they're 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 not even connected <laughs> themselves. No. <laughs> yeah, because the, the first the first part of them like
0: of the film is all that's very seedy and it's neon yeah. lights and <laughs> and it's it's much more like you forget having not watched this film in a while, at least in my case, when you go back and watch it and you're like, wow, this is a PG movie on Disney Plus, And there's like, she's sleeping with a married mobster. He murders a guy in front of, you know, it's really kind of dark and you need that to contrast everything else that comes later. And I, and I yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's a real progression for her character because she's from the very beginning, it's, it's whoopy. So she's got, you know, she's got that, that, that sassy side of her, even as a little girl, she's got that sense of agency where she's She's you know leading the the show, which great. By the way, what a great medley of Motown uh, <laughs> Motown uh, songs! I oh, love that. I, I for the longest point in time that was my, this movie was my reference point for some of those songs. It's like oh yeah, that's Ab- absolutely
1: yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It like took me some years actually. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. Like <laughs> it took <laughs> took me some years to like recognize like. Like, oh, that's, that's the Supremes. Or like, you know, that's, that's Gladys Knight and Pips. Or that's the yeah Like, I'm like, I, I really had no idea. So I'm like, that's amazing. So this movie even works as
0: like, as an introduction to that era of, you know, fifties and sixties oh. soul music, uh, uh, which I it informs this one and the next one. It's kind of yeah. to a large degree, but early on you get the sense that Dolores has, she has agency. She's, she's, sort of under Vince's thumb to a certain degree where she's almost sort of convinced by the mink coat. And then she's, she's, then she sees, you know, that it was his wife's and she's like, never mind, I'm getting out of here. And you, you get a sense that she's found her voice, but not necessarily her place. And I think that's, that's an interesting distinction that this movie makes. It's like, yeah, clearly she's a singer. She's an entertainer. She's a leader. She says at the end of the second one, which I, I thought of now, kind of bookending these two movies how it opens with her leading this show she's a headliner we know that from the beginning that that much she knows but she's like okay now how do i how do i make that work how do i apply that to the world and sort of uh, in the in a similar vein to the first wives club how do i apply that to the world and make a positive difference Mm. uh in in the way that those three ladies sort of take their their quest for revenge and then Translated into something uh, much more impactful and grander in scale, and I think you, you see that with Dolores, where she, you have that the fish out of water comedy section, where she's in there and she's you know she's kind of uh, going through the motions trying to uh, trying to to start up the the prayer at the beginning of the meal and <laughs> and uh, try trying to kind of uh, push back, and then eventually is assigned to the choir, and this is the other thing watching this movie now in 2022 this is from 19 30 years actually 30th anniversary of this film wow. this year too wow. which is which which is why it's such a perfect time to talk about it yeah. and it's and it, it the pacing reflects movies then you know now she would have been in the convent in 15 minutes she doesn't she doesn't really get even like working on the choir until I don't know. Oh God, may, about maybe a half close, hour. Yeah, <laughs> at least, at least, like it's like maybe forty something minutes in. I feel like in this only in this movie is only like an hour and forty minutes. It's That's like great. close to the halfway point because she gets there's is, is the push and pull of her and Maggie Smith, who's great in this movie, of course, fantastic. And and then she assigns her to the choir, thinking, oh, just kind of shrink away. Uh, w- since we mentioned Maggie Smith, I want to take a, a, a moment to pause and and just. Talk about the supporting cast in here, because obviously this is, this is Whoopi's, you know, this is one of Whoopi's biggest hits. She's, uh, even as you were saying earlier, she's billed on the, on the poster as Whoopi, no last name required. But we all, <laughs> she's, especially at this time, post Oscar, this was kind of right. whoopie at the height of her box office draw. But we also have Maggie Smith. We have Harvey Keitel, like you mentioned. Bill Nunn, I think is great in this. Bill Nunn, and, this is, yeah. He's so good in this. R.I.P. Yeah. Bill Nunn. He's he's amazing in this movie to the point that when the second one came out, I was disappointed that they didn't that find an did. excuse to bring it back. What are your thoughts on the supporting cast here? Uh, Kathy Najimy and Wendy McKenna yeah. and Mary Wicks. Like they, they, you need a, uh, you need a cast of characters to really compliment Dolores and to sort of inspire her to want to wanna seek out that change. I think. I, what are your, I, what are your I, thoughts on
1: how the, they play into it? I would say that, you know, I have been championing for there to be a casting directors Oscars for years because getting it right is so incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. And I will say, you know, my, my feelings on the two movies do differ, but when it comes to casting, I think they nailed it, like knocked it out of the park both times. I mean, like this is it's an incredible cast. It's absolutely incredible cast. Kathy Najimy, I mean, is one of the funniest act actresses. I mean, that I've known. She was also in another one of my favorite movies, Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. At the same time, <laughs> so like, absolutely adore her. Maggie Smith, I mean, come on, still doing it too. Like I'm like like there's just there's nothing in this world that will ever make me sour on on Maggie Smith. I think she's just a tremendous actress. It oh my god, she was in she was in the first wives club. Like he's so like she was. Oh, and, and to to build on that too,
0: Bette Midler, who's in Hocus Pocus and the First Wives hey. Club, was supposed to be in this. She was that makes sense. She was supposed to be, you know, the, the lead in this movie, and then passed on it because she's like, I don't think people want to see me as a nun. <laughs> and then Whoopi, Whoopi jumped on it. And it's it's I it's hard to imagine this movie. With Beth That's Miller in the lead because it's so personalized to Whoopi's sensibility, you know? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. And yeah, man, just you know, Bill Nunn, oh my god, rest in peace. Such an incredible actor. I too was disappointed that he wasn't in the sequel. I was like, you could have found some way to squeeze him in. That would have been great. Yeah, man. I I like the supporting cast here is just tremendous. Uh, because like you have to have strong players around Whoopi Goldberg to to make this film really work, I mean it's it's ridiculous, and I want to point out something. <laughs> this is going to be a little embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> I want to point out something that 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 I just realized. I think two days ago, <laughs> so this is okay. well, this is embarrassing. There's a scene in the movie where Wolfie goes to the bar across the street from the comp. and she she goes into the bar, and everybody sees her. Of course, she's in a nun outfit. And everyone's a little freaked out by her. And then one guy standing at the jukebox, he goes, Hey, sister, is there anything on this jukebox from the sound of music? And everyone laughs. And I swear to you, for 30 years, I never got that joke. I never <laughs> understood it whatsoever. And then in 2020, I finally watched the sound of music and I was like, Oh, Cause she's a nun. Yeah, <laughs> like I swear to God, I'm like, you want to talk about embarrassed? <laughs> like it's just like it took thirty years to get that reference. That like, oh man, that was embarrassing. But yeah, it's just something I wanted to point out. But that's
0: <laughs> no, that that's awesome.
1: It's yeah, it's I think the, the the fine line that you
0: have to make that you have to kind of nail with the other nuns. Obviously, Maggie Smith is gonna Maggie Smith. There's a moment in this movie after the bar sequence where they're walking back in and she catches them. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just like Harry Potter. Where she's <laughs> like, why is it always you three? You know, that's become <laughs> memeified over the last few years. And it's like, she, no wonder they, they got her for McGonagall. She's doing the same thing here. Yeah. It's kind of stiff upper lip, trying to keep her pupils in line, etc. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's insane. But like, like 10 years before Sorcerer's Stone, she was like kind of doing the same deal. But But yeah, there is. It's you need these nuns to both seem off-putting and sort of, you know, in the case of Sister Mary Patrick, kind of obnoxious to Whoopi, to Uh Dolores, that she'd be like, oh, these people, I'm not into that. And then Uh where she would warm up to it and then come around on them. Like, they need those layers. They have to work as the exact opposite type of people that Dolores would want to be around. And then you have to buy midway through when she really bonds with, with the nuns, especially uh, Sister Mary Patrick, Sister Mary Robert, and Sister Mary Lazarus, that there's a real friendship there. And I think it works like, incredibly well.
1: This is going to bring me back to my first point of the writing. When you see Dolores with the two women she has with her in the, in the beginning of the film, and they're performing on stage, it's very mm. subtle because you notice that they don't have they don't have a lot of dialogue and we never really come back to them after the beginning of the film, right. but if you pay attention to their mannerisms, they are very similar to Sister Mary Patrick and uh, Sister Mary Roberts in that one is very quiet and and you know squeaky and kind of submissive, and the other one's sort of loud and boisterous and trying to put herself out there more, mm-hmm. and like you sort of have that contrast. With them and then these two nuns, the, the main difference being that, you know, they're they're in a completely different culture than the one that she's used to, but they are actually sort of similar to the the people that she hung around. So it makes sense for her to gravitate towards them later once, you know, she gets past the initial shock of everything. Right, but yeah. Right. That's just, a, that's just a, a like a really cool thing. I don't know if that was a director's vision or the writer's vision, but I just thought that was a really unique contrast that I noticed this time around
0: right yeah and and they they come to Dolores sort of on such opposite ends of the spectrum where she has to take Sister Mary Patrick take it down a notch sing an octave lower than where you're currently at and then Sister Mary Roberts like bring it out like she pushes her diaphragm in to kind of (laughs) literally push her to find her voice and I think it's it's trying to Get this group of nuns to harmonize and, and get them to work as a team, and that's why where I think the sort of inspirational part of this movie comes from is that she she finds she finds her direction. She you know at yeah. one point Mother Superior tells her, you know you, you know. Your this your life. This was your life before you were dealing with this mobster, and you were you know he was a married man. You're working in this casino. Nobody's paying attention to you, etc. Your life was kind of stuck. You were in a rut, and now here you are in a convent with all this time to yourself. And she's like, take the hint, and sh- she does. She does. She takes the hint, and she she finds direction. She finds purpose, and she finds a way to put her her skills, her knowledge, her talent to good use. And I think that that's kind of where the inspirational side of this comes from. She puts it she stops thinking so inwardly and turns it the opposite direction Yeah, because she literally kind of has to in that situation.
1: Like she can't work on her own life. Her own life is sort of on hold. And Um, and I'm like, I I keep coming back to this, like that scene and what you're talking about when she, you know, figures out how to make the choir work and all of that. Right. I keep coming back to the writing because I think it's just, so incredibly well done like yeah you 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 pointed it out where, where she tells her like the direction of your life isn't going where it's supposed to and i think back to the beginning when when she's deciding to leave the the, the moonlight lounge and her friends are like well you know what's going to happen to the act i mean you you do everything you tell us where to stay i pick the music that whole thing and it's like it's showing like this is what she's good at this is her calling but it, it doesn't work in this world. But the second she gets put into a different world, all of a sudden those skills, they, they fit. And now she's in that place that she was supposed to be in. It's, I mean, when you, like, maybe this is me because I, I've lived with this movie for years. But when you watch like the first, what is it? 15, 20 minutes that she's, maybe not even, like 10 or 15 minutes that, mm-hmm. you know, the beginning of the movie is settled on you really don't think it's going to go where it goes the rest of the movie. Like, I like I think that's what drew me to it originally, like when I saw it in 92, was I was like, where we're, what we start with is kind of gritty. It's kind of dark. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, man, this is all right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, where's this going to go? And then it heads to this very uplifting and emotional and very, you know, beautiful place of finding yourself and finding your purpose and all of that. And I was like, I'm like, Oh man. Oh, (laughs) wasn't wasn't expecting that. Like, it's just it's like, I love the the different ways that it it goes. I mean, like I said, man, uh, Paul Rudnick is the writer. Yeah. And kudos, bro. Kudos. An an incredible, incredible writing for this movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No. And and it's, it's the kind of it's the kind of movie that I know this sounds cliché you don't see made very much anymore and if you do it doesn't get this much of a platform. It's not a major yeah. Hollywood blockbuster. This movie was made like 232 million worldwide in 1992. This is one of the biggest hits of the year and it's <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest hits of Whoopi's career and I, I think deservedly so. It's you know this is one of her one of her, like, if, I'm sure, if you go on IMDb right now, if, it should be one of her known for films Absolutely. as a time. Absolutely, because it's I mean, it was such like I I was said to my wife while we were watching. I think it was the second one, maybe because we did we watched them back to back. I was like, it doesn't it doesn't even phase me now to see Whoopi in a habit dressed as a nun because it's <laughs> like I've seen it's because I've seen these movies so much. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Whoopi. That's what she. That's what she I wears. Mean- <laughs> it's more jarring when you see her
1: without it in these films. Right, right. It's it's it's, it's funny to me because it's like obviously Seely is gonna stay with her till the end of her days. Right, that that character, that performance, that's gonna stay with her till the end of her days. Ida Mae in 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 Ghost that'll probably stay with her. I mean, I like what I think of, and I shouldn't think of this, but like I know, like in her career package that they do when you know she's. Receiving her lifetime achievement award or whatever, like the the one line that will definitely be in there is Molly, you in danger, girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> that, that's 100 yeah. percent going to be in there. But I think to anyone who has lived through these past 30 years, she's Sister Mary Clarence. <laughs> like, like definitely. no matter no matter what, like, like pretty much that role I think has defined her entire life. Like she was on The View, I think a few years ago, and Sister Act came up, obviously, because the, of the Broadway play. But, like, yeah, like that's the one that everyone goes back to. Like, that's the one that everyone goes back to way more than I think Color Purple, way more than uh, Ghost. And all of these are successful projects. And obviously, can't forget about her role as Shinzi in The Lion King, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, all of these are very successful projects, but I think the defining role of her career will always be this one. And, and honestly, like, you know, you mentioned it made $232 million in 1990s dollars, which is huge for 1990. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big, huge blockbuster. <laughs> like, that's a huge blockbuster in nineteen. Like, if you put that in 2020, uh, 2022 dollars, That's got to be almost like a half a mil. So like, I mean, a half a billion. So yeah, that's like, that's, that's really incredible. So I, I think this is her defining world, no matter what, no matter to her, to her dying days, (laughs) Like this is the one that people will remember her
0: for. And she knows it too. She's taken so much, because she wasn't really involved, uh, I, as far as I can tell, like based on at least the credits and such. I don't think she was super involved in this behind the scenes. You know, this was just, she came in to, to obviously lead the project on screen, but later on, you know, she's, she produced this the the uh, the musical. She's going to produce Sister Act 3, which we'll talk about later on in a little bit. But she she's she puts she's taken such ownership on this project because it has, as you said, defined her career, and she puts so much of herself in this in this role, and that's that's part of why why I feel like even though Ghost is is sort of a quintessential role for her, so is this because you do get a, that depth, you do get that that signature whoopie wit she also sings in it she's also got so much right. heart that she brings to this character and that's the thing whoopie is always kind of embodied to me you know very you know strong woman razor sharp wit you know very but also very compassionate and very and very warm and very direct you know you see any interview with whoopie and she's you know, I, I was doing some research for for this episode and stuff, and the little clips of her come up from the View, and, and there, you know, or interviews that she's done, and someone's asking her a question, she's like very like, "Why? What's that talking about?" No, I'm like she's very like <laughs> very matter of fact. She's like I mean, I her answers on stuff, she's just like no bullshit, and, and I think it's another part of her that comes through in this character, and it's just it, it it's it just feels like it embodies the spirit of who Whoopi Goldberg is as an entertainer, and, and so many degrees.
1: One hundred percent.
0: Is, is there, I know you have to talk about the musical numbers, obviously, and then, you know, it's like the, <laughs> the way that we were saying earlier in in the, the opening, how they have that Motown medley and then so many of those songs re- recur, you know, my God and I will follow him and all that stuff. What are you, how is, what do you feel about the message of this movie and how it says, you know, secular music, whatever, it's a tool <laughs> to bring, to bring people back to the church to kind of reinvigorate it. And sort of that progressive message. And and then you see that reflected in Mother Superior as well. Right. Another char- a character who's really kind of stuck in her way, is very, very much a traditionalist mm-hmm. who also learns to sort of open and grow and and change and evolve as a person, even though she, you know, she's in her later years, she's at a certain stature in in the church. And how how those themes all play in together? What does this movie
1: have to say about that? You know what's crazy? I didn't even think about it but I I didn't realize how ahead of its time this movie was. Mm Because, I mean, that concept of blending secular music with gospel, I mean, it was still a few years after this movie before that concept really did happen. Like like, When people did start to blend secular music with with, uh, traditional gospel. And I remember how some people reacted when that happened. Like, it was almost like they had never seen Sister Act. like Because it's like, yeah, homie, like, these two things can work together. Like, like, one of my friends is a very devout uh, Christian. And she listens to contemporary Christian music a lot. And it's very much a blend of R&B. It's a blend of of hip-hop. And it's a blend of, you know, all of these different styles. And... You know, I love a lot of it, honestly. And, like, I think part of it is this movie is that, you know, you've learned, we we grew up with this idea, this concept that music is universal. No matter Absolutely. no matter what style it's in, it's universal. And so it can be used to praise the Lord, and it can be used to pop that ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> both <are> valid. So, <laughs> You know what I'm saying, and like, and I do think like obviously this is a PG film from the 1990s, and and you see that in in both movies the 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 trend of of so like in the original she's doing classic 50s and 60s girl groups types of music and blending that to Motown era stuff into gospel. When we get into the sequel, you know she's now she's dealing with young kids who grew up on hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Grew up on rap grew up on R&B and now they're blending that into gospel music and it's so good like so it has me very excited for what they're gonna do in Sister Act the three if like hopefully that gets off the ground because now we're you know almost 30 years removed from the sequel and yeah music has changed even more (laughs) you know what I'm saying and I would love to see what styles and what, you know, things that they can bring to, you know, blend this, these two genres together in, in, you know, in the 2020s. Like, yeah, exactly. What, what can we do that, that's going to be really interesting, really like exciting to see. And like, we're talking about the songs. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I have said for years that, you know, I love musicals. I absolutely adore musicals. Musicals are my favorite genre of music, favorite genre of movies. And one of my favorite songs from a musical ever is Hail Holy Queen. <laughs> like, like, oh man. Cause it just goes so hard. And it's just so like, like fun, you know what I'm saying? And especially the way that they start with the traditional song. And absolutely. Then they, and then they turn up like, uh.
0: I love it. <laughs> it's a it's a microcosm of what you were just saying. About, right. you know, like you could take that that traditional music and you can mesh it with today's styles. And you have the, the nuns in that song, I think, right? Where they're they're like yeah. literally kind of rapping Latin, the Latin verses. Yeah. Is it that one? Yeah. My t- uh, my t- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's so good. And that's the scene where you just, she takes a risk and people from the street start kind of wandering in like what is that that music's banging in there I got to go check right. it out and and uh, that's kind of the turning point where she gets admonished for it by mother superior and then <laughs> and then monsignor comes in and is like that was amazing and they <laughs> they do the trick that she does the she does the the trick of kind of putting you know oh, it was mother superior's idea and then mother <laughs> superior does that in the sequel with right. uh, Mr. Crisp, which I've noticed this time. <laughs> I was like, that's sweet. Uh, she's learned. She's picked up a couple of things from Dolores. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's exactly that. It's exactly that kind of transition and how, how these things don't have to necessarily be kind of in these little binary boxes of Christian and secular. It's like, you know, you bring, that's not how you, first of all, it's much more fun the way that she she kind of injects some energy into it. And secondly, that's not how you, you don't reach out to other people by making them, you know, see things the way you see them. You, you kind of have to bend things a little bit. You have to open up and and meet in the middle, compromise. And that's kind of how that how that works, whether it's, you know, whether it's a church or or anything, politics, whatever it may be. You have to kind of like, okay, let's find a way to collaborate. You can't just be like, well, this is what we're singing this way, the way we've always done it. Right. You know, take your modern music and and you know, there's the door. It doesn't work that way. That's not how you're going to grow as a, as a person, as a as a as a lounge singer, as a nun, or whatever <laughs> happen to be. so I mean, I, I love that, that that's sort of the the place that it ends on. And then, yeah, it's true. You totally walk out of this one with the warm fuzzies at the end. You're like, oh, oh man, a beautiful oh, man. moment and, yes. and she has the the she has the the kind of headpiece off, and she's like literally revealing herself because now she's not in actinging. Yes. I don't mean to hide anymore. Yeah, go ahead speak to speak to that moment because it's so it's really powerful. Oh, anyway.
1: I will follow him. I mean, I'm talking about it now, and like I just watched it not too long ago, and I'm like, and I'm getting emotional because I'm like, it was just, you know, I I, I go back to to seeing it in '92, and I was not a religious kid. I still, am not very much a religious kid, but I went to Catholic school. And and I went to to church with other members of my family. I visited a couple of my friends' churches and mosques and, and temples. <laughs> so, and I was like, you know, that moment is so interesting because it's like, we see in the beginning, I, her doing, I will follow, I will follow him. Is it, I will follow you or something? I yeah. will follow him. Yeah, yeah. And like in the beginning, she does it super fast because they're trying to get through, right? And then they do it at the end and it's, it's got so much weight and so much intentionality behind it. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful done sequence. And they take their time with it. And even when it goes into like, you know, the more upbeat sections of of the song, it's, it's powerful. Like it's, she says a line at some point, Uh, in the film where she says, you know, this isn't, this isn't quacking. You're rejoicing. You are singing to the Lord. And it's at that moment at the end where you really feel the impact of that moment of that statement, because, and just like we were talking about, you know, blending these two different styles, like there's a meaning in, in the original song, you know, basically about being, subservient to your to your significant other mm-hmm. and, you know what i'm saying and you know being so in love with them that you you would do whatever they want right you would follow them wherever they go right when you take that message and put it in this in this other context and your subservience is to the lord and your subservience is to the one you follow in in christ or, or whomever you pray to i mean i just think it's so so powerful, so tender. And like you said earlier, like this film doesn't preach to you. Yes, it's about the Catholic church and, and you know, that sort of faith. But it doesn't make a point to say, like, this is the only way to go or, you know, saying if you're not Christian, you can't receive this message. And I think that's very key as as the films go on. And I think it's something that will come up in the in the future as well. Because and yeah. I think it's a tremendous, tremendous. It's the movie, sort of
0: like walking, not only just talking the talk about, hey, let's let's blend these styles, let's blend this to reach out and expand, you know, our audience or or get our message out. The movie then does the same thing by sort of being about religion, but also sort of not really being about religion either. You know, it it, it welcomes secular and Christian audiences in equal yeah. measure, and and if you want to really focus in on the religious aspect you could do that if you want to see it as as a broader statement about finding yourself and finding your place and wherever that may be it works that way too and i think that the fact that 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 song kind of ties everything together it is it's a really it's a it's a beautiful way to 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 end Dolores's journey as it were in, in the first film for sure absolutely absolutely so then clearly this movie was a huge hit and somebody at touchstone was like sequel Get be on the line now! <laughs> We're gonna make this happen because this they, came out. They, I think did it, like, they did it pretty quickly. It's a very bad. <laughs> this came out like I think May or something, 1992. By the following fall, it, the the second one was out. It was done. It was in theaters. <laughs> so uh, somebody moved on this quick. It's uh, the second one. I'd I always forget this. Is was directed by Bill Duke, the actor Bill Duke from I don't oh. know Predator and a million other things, which is kind of an interesting little factoid. And it it was lo- much less successful than the first one. I don't know if that's because they just rushed it out too fast, or because people were like, "Well, how are you going to do that again?" You kind of run into the uh, you kind of run into. Then this is not at all comparing the quality of the movies, but I've never seen the sequel to this for the same reason. But it kind of run into like the Big Mama's house situation, where you're <laughs> like, of oh, <laughs> course, the first one he's in, he's dressed as Big Mama for a specific reason. He's going like undercover as Big Mama, and the second one. Why is it just like I have this suit? I guess I'll just be Big Mama again, and that'll just be my character. So you're like, Well, how does he get her in the first one? She's on the run, she's hiding from her mobster boyfriend, and this is where they're hiding her. All right, I get it. Now is she was it another mobster boyfriend? Like, what is she back in <laughs> literally? Back in the habit, and by the way, a plus for wordplay on the title. I love it. that. Absolutely. We got to you know, and for nothing else, that title gets asses and seats. So I think that's the first stumbling block. Where it's like, okay, well, how does? Why is she a nun again? Like, how did that work? Do you think this movie does a good job, first of all, of justifying why Dolores is Sister Mary Clarence again, and mm-hmm. and, and just differentiating itself from the original enough that it doesn't feel like a retread.
1: Whew, that's a loaded question. I do, actually. I do think they give a good reason. I, I am a little bit perturbed by it because it's, you know, if the first one has this this very great setup and it, and it works. And in the second one, we're no longer in that church. They've, they've moved on to becoming teaching nuns, which actually I can see. Like, I don't think it made sense in 1993, but when I watched it again, I was like, no, that actually makes perfect sense because she's the one that inspired them to get out of the convent and and do more good in the neighborhood. So, yeah, I totally get that, that they would go on to become teachers. And so her coming to the school and then obviously having to pretend to be a nun because no administration is going to allow a lounge singer. (laughs) That's how she gets access. Right exactly. So I get it. Yeah, it actually it it actually makes perfect sense as to why she would don the the habit again. So it I don't know if they marketed it well like like that concept exactly. So maybe that's why it wasn't as successful. But I I think it works. I think it, I think it I think it absolutely works and it is is it you know not as compelling as the original i would definitely say yes but i think for the story that it's going for it makes sense if but it is a bit rut definitely whereas opposed to the first one where like we said it's it's practically 45 minutes before you know we really get to the core of this film this one we're sort of there within like five like <laughs>
0: well (laughs) well, it opens again with another musical montage not montage but medley it's sort of tracking her like sort of a variation of her story where she goes undercover and finds herself in the convent and all that which i i I think that's cool and and then they show up and then they're like hey we got to take you back with us she's like wait what what's happening now five five minutes into this movie like we'll be like is as as shocked as we are she's like this movie just started like right. you're not even gonna like let me show people what I'm up to here in Las Vegas. She's not in Reno anymore. She's in Las Vegas, still a headliner. And uh, he, you know, I I think if the the bonds between her and those characters wasn't so so well constructed in the first film, we would be like, no way, she's walking away from her Vegas
1: act. Right, right.
0: Go help these ladies out. Are you serious? Like, what did she? <laughs> that she just walks away from all that money and that success. Like. But I, I, I guess the idea is that she tells Robert Pastorelli as her agent in that one scene, who another another great actor, R.I.P. She's just like, I'm gonna go help my non friends, but put them, you know, put her on hold for a few weeks. Like, how does that even work? But because she's she cares so much about these characters, we buy it. And then the movie, as you said, sort of ties in thematically. With them giving back to the community, and it, they also tie it back in by Dolores at one point acknowledging that this is the school that she went to. So presumably, it's a school right. in which that that scene in the first one, and the opening scene of her in a classroom writing the uh, all the apostles <laughs> and <laughs> putting the <laughs> <Elvis laughs> name and and Ringo and all of that stuff, sort of right. comes back into. So I, I appreciate the effort, but yeah, I it's it is also a little bit jarring too because. You're thrown into what is essentially an entirely new supporting cast, minus you know the the few that do carry over. And I don't think that the these characters are as interesting as as the uh, the original group. I don't think. I, I think the the big problem with this movie, to me, is that it's not really Dolores' story anymore. You know, it's it's yeah. who 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 is the main character of this movie? I would venture to say it's supposed to be Rita. But Rita. we it takes a while for Rita's story to really get going. So I don't even know if, if that's the case. Like who's who's the protagonist in this one? Because it doesn't feel like it's
1: Dolores' arc anymore. It isn't. It 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 definitely is Rita's. Well, you know what? I think they share. It. That's yeah, that's okay. It's 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 sort of both of theirs. Well, I'll put it like this. This one is more of an ensemble piece, whereas the original one was sort of a a solo character study. And yeah, so yeah, Rita, Rita has her own story that she's going through, and Dolores basically is is there to see that one blossom. I think the issue here with this film, like, I don't know when this movie came out, but there was a movie around the same time called Dangerous Minds. Yep, a couple years later, I think, 95.
0: Yeah. But yeah, there's there was a lot of these... These sort of, like, sort of, yeah, inner city kids, inner city kids. kids. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know got to, very got much. much. It was essentially a genre in the early mid nineties. Yeah, it
1: was like you know we gotta save a school kind of a yeah. kind of story, and yeah, so that's what I think this this was going for. But like because it's hampered by its rating, you know, the, a lot of the kids talk about you know where they're from and why like the lack of opportunities and all that stuff but it's not something you actually ever see Mm. and then on top of it like because it's what is it pg like it's very sort of i don't want to what's the word i'm looking for not childish but it's i don't know it's really 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 tame it's like kind
0: of superficial. Like they're like, hey, I think I have
1: reps. I'm
0: like, okay, what did right. that mean in the context of this movie? Yeah, th- that doesn't seem like the stakes are really there. The, the stakes, stakes are aren't the there. Person. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the stakes aren't there. And it kind of feels very sort of laughable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, that these are troubled or, you know, I don't know what you can call them, like disturbed children or whatever. But yeah. And I also thought it was kind of funny that they were like, Concerned about failing a music class, I'm like, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, I've never, like, never in my entire life, when I've taken a music course, have I ever cared? Like, I mean, seriously. Like, even Frank not, K
0: was like, no, you know, I need to. Yeah, I'm usually sure, dealing with things like this, but now I'm gonna, I'm gonna
1: get take care of business. Take care of business. Time. A music course? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's where he guys the line. Like. Okay, like, I just thought it was, uh, like, it was a little bit too, the word, like, I, I guess the the easiest way I can put it is, it's a little too Disney-fied, right? Like, mm. where it's just, like, it was, like, talking about really serious stuff, but refused to show it and then made sort of light out of everything else. You know, these kids supposed to have hard lives or, you know, have something but the raps were terrible. Like it was just right. really, really kind of Mickey <laughs> Mousey, like stuff. So like that, you know that that's where I looked at it. But I mean, well, like, well
0: <laughs> everybody's thing is like Jennifer Love Hewitt's character is she just likes makeup. That's her deal. Frank K. Just I don't know what his deal is. Uh, <laughs> Sketch Sketch has a job. Right, and that's his big problem. He's like ah, I got a job after school, and I, yeah, everybody's the home life seems. Relatively normal. I mean, the biggest drama is Rita's mom won't let her sing, which you know we—that's that's when the movie finally finds its stakes. That's the thing. That's why, like, watching this now, it, it it's it's the movie doesn't really come to life until we get that roll call scene where you meet the kids because it is the, their story more so, and you know they do the prank on the chair. Like, that's the thing. It is kind of like. <laughs> It, Tgif for for people who watched ABC back in the nineties, like I <laughs> the World sort of stuff. They Dude. glue on her chair and she's stuck there, and she's got to kind of although
1: pull, I will say her way out. That was one of my, that was the funniest scene because like you had <laughs> the kid like who like kept refusing to let her sit down, and everyone's just like yes. getting angry at him. So I, I thought that was hilarious. Well, like yeah, it's very very like Disney Channel type <laughs> type viewer. <humor. laughs>
0: But then, but then, when Lauren Hill kind of blossoms in this movie, let's let's take a, a moment and hit pause on on this. Is probably the biggest biggest asset of this movie is Lauren Hill is in this oh film, she, and she's what a, like watching it the other night. I was just like, oh, she's so good, like it's <laughs> insane that that because because that's the thing. Like some of the people who who are you know some of the singers in this film, they're all good, but some of them feel like they they have to. They feel like they're trying. Lauren Hill. It just she opens her mouth and that just comes out, and it's unbelievable to see it and her in this sort of nascent stage of her career this is pre-Fuji's never mind pre-MS right. education which right. i was listening to right the day after watching these i was just like damn that album's that album is such a masterpiece amazing amazing that was five years after this it just how what do you think of lauren hill uh, her performance in here i guess acting and vocally it, and how she because she's the she's the, the secret weapon to this movie and if if this yes. movie has developed a larger fan base in the years since. I think a large part
1: of it is people like, "Damn, Lauren Hill, y'all." Lauren Hill. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think you're you're right. I think she sort of burst on the scene in this kind of movie because, yeah, like she wasn't known at the time, really. I think she was sort of, yes, yeah. yeah, still sort of finding her way. And this is why I said, man, casting. Why <laughs> casting is incredible. Like you picked up. Lauren Hill and Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know, saying all of these all of these talented kids, Ryan Toby, you know what I'm saying, who, you know, it is in this movie. Lauren Hill in this movie. I mean, yeah, like it was like discovering a star. Like that's that's essentially what what you did. When you watched this was like, holy crap, like this girl is a star. Like that that's something that just came the second she started singing, you were like, oh, like, like, yeah, she she can not only sing, but she is actively carrying this film alongside Whoopi Goldberg. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know what I'm saying? So and and this is a tentpole film, regardless of how it turned out or whatever. Like you're doing a sequel to what was the biggest film of the year just last year. Yeah, so exactly. Right. Like I just I I think you gotta give her a props. I mean, Lauren Hill, man, she stepped into this like she was already here. Not like I think she did an an amazing job. Granted, the movie is not as strong as its predecessor, but considering that for for many like direct to the video sequels, this that this wasn't, but it feels like it. (laughs) Like I thought she did an amazing job in in that realm. It it feels like it could be the pilot for a sister act TV
0: series too, in the way like, oh, we have this, you know, this new setting and keeping some of our characters and they like, oh, we'll watch these kids kind of grow up. It's, it's way more pro education. And, and then, you know, then the first one, it's very much like, you know, you got to, what is the thing that they say? You got to do, um, if you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. That's like the mission statement of this movie, which I love how that is sort of threaded throughout. There's the scene where where Sister Mary Clarence like meets Rita like outside the school or or just on the street, and she's got her sunglasses on and she's just hanging out and she tells her the story about you know her reading this book and and she hands it to her to sort of inspire her. Like I love all that hands-on, the hands-on approach that not only Dolores, but also you have that scene with Sister Mary Robert, where she sort of gets to be a mentor to Rita in the same way that Dolores was with her, trying to help her sort of find her voice. I think that's the thing. Once this movie hones in on the goal of this movie, yeah, you're watching it to see Dolores, whatever, help these kids and help to save the school. But ultimately, all of that ends up, like, as you were saying, sort of Disney-fied, spoilers they saved the school <laughs> spoilers Rita's mom sees her sing and it's like I didn't know you were so good I'm so proud of you and so you're watching it you're like as a kid you're like yeah they saved the school as an adult you're like of course they <laughs> saved the school have you ever seen a movie before like they say they saved the church the school the, the her relationship <laughs> with her mom everything it's like that sort of stuff stuff sort of feels paint by numbers to a respect uh but the stuff with, with with Dolores and Rita with Sister Mary Robert and Rita, like with, with Rita and, and her friend, I can't remember the other character's name, sitting at the piano and Rita's kind of journey of her finding her voice, I, I think is that stuff is compelling. And a lot of it is because Lauren Hill is is it's so you know so damn compelling to watch. She carries, she she really does carry this thing. And, and when it when it becomes her story, then you're more locked in. But when it's trying to like add all these other stakes with the school or whatever and the other supporting characters, the, you know, the different fathers, none of whom are are particularly that that interesting to me. I like, I think Michael Jeter brings a little more, a little bit of energy to this thing. But for the most part, it's just, it's just feels like it's trying to do the first one, but, you know, a lesser version of it.
1: I mean, yeah. I, I will say where, where the original one definitely has, resonating themes and some really strong social elements and social commentary and does some very powerful things with the with the music and the story that it wants to tell it feels like because you notice that Paul Paul Rudnick is is not the writer for this this one feels like they were they took the exact wrong lesson the first film and instead of, you know, focusing on those themes or enhancing those themes, they really sort of leaned into the comedy aspect of the movie for this sequel. So you have sort of the fathers, they're sort of like the bumbling idiots of, of the story. You know, the one guy, he can't drive. He's sort of crashing into everybody, but he's talking mess or whatever. You got your Monsignor, who's a little dimwitted, you know, something like that. So yeah, it's like they fell onto the comedy bits a great deal. There is there and there, and I'm not saying that they did anything bad because I think there are some great comedy bits in it, particularly when you have a Kathy Najimi a teaching sex ed. I think that's yeah. hysterical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You don't have to you don't have to bite into the donut to know that
1: it's sweet <laughs> or something, <Yeah>. she said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, I, like, you know, gr- there's some great stuff here. Like, the the being stuck to the chair stuff is really funny. It's just, like, that's really sort of what they leaned into. And, like, I just can't get over how, like, the one word. There it is. There, the one word that I will say that this movie has, even more so than the first one, because you could argue the first one was this, too. But the second one is definitely cheesier. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like definitely way cheesier. There's some cheesy lines in it, like some stuff that you just know that it just has not aged well. But I don't even think it was pretty good in 93. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it stands out. But like like you said, when Lauren Hill. I mean, when when she's in charge of this film, it does go to a much higher place. And I and I think. You know, yeah. I think it it hits the beats that it it's supposed to. But you could tell that the aspects that it 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 doesn't nail stand out a lot more in this film than they do in the first one.
0: hmm Yeah. It's Who- whoop is on the poster, her name's above the title, but her character is more of a, a conduit to everything else around her. And I think that's where, yeah, for me, that's kind of the first disconnect. And then and then, you know, I appreciate the fact that this time the choir actually can sing. So it's not we're not repeating ourselves in that regard. It's more about kind of trying to get them to believe in themselves and 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 overcome. There's even that there's a really great moment that I, that I love in this film where it's also there's the generational aspect of it, where when they see the nuns perform a ball of confusion, they they're kind of on the bus and like, eh, I was fine for what it is. But, you know, kind of like half mocking the, the nuns and then Dolores gives them this whole, like when these ladies get on the bus, you will, you will, you know, you will applaud them. You'll treat them with respect. Like all that. I love that it was really, really kind of an interesting way of kind of, of almost, it's almost sort of meta commentary about young people seeing the trailer for the first one. i was like, what being a bunch of nuns path, you know? Right, right. And, and I feel like, I feel like in the time since I, I worry that there's a whole generation of people They never saw Sister Act because they're like, "Eh, do I need to see
1: that? Really? Uh, And then like, yeah, you do. Just give it a chance. Don't don't judge. I have a coworker who's like, I don't know, 20, 21, something like that. And I I may have been telling her about Sister Act from Mm -hmm. well over like two years. And I'm just like, you need to watch Sister Act. You need to watch Sister Act. She's never watched it. And I'm like, I was watching it at work and I forgot like she was there. And I'm like singing moments or I'm saying moments from the film, like expecting a reaction. And it just dawned on me, like, she has no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, like, I'm like <laughs> oh, my God, I'm old. But also like, like, how do you not know this film? Like, uh, and, and yeah, you're right. Like it, it, it it'll definitely have that disconnect, I think, for younger people, because, you know, times have changed. And you know it—it it, it may not have the same impact, but I'm gonna make—I'm gonna make a weird comparison. <laughs> Do it. I'm gonna make a—gonna make a very weird comparison. I, another franchise that I recently got into was the Rambo franchise because I saw First Blood and First Blood Part Two for binge movies, right? And yeah, <laughs> and if you see Rambo, First Blood. Rambo: first blood is an incredible movie. like really about you know this guy dealing with ptsd and dealing with a veteran who comes back from a very unpopular war and how they're treated and what that means to him and what it does to him psychologically and like that's a really great hardcore beautiful story then you watch part two <laughs> <laughs> and you watch any any of the s- subsequent ramble sequels and you're like, whoa, like this, this is nothing <laughs> like, like where we were in the beginning. And I sort of feel that way about Sister Act, where it's like, here's this very original, well-written story about, you know, these really powerful themes and this, this incredible story about finding oneself and all of that. And then you get to the second one and some of that is there. But it is not, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, we're going to get the, the third one eventually. And I'm just curious as to, and I feel like, especially with the time passed since the the second one, that they're going to lean more in the direction of Sister Act 2 than they are mm. the original Sister Act. So I think we're going to end up in the same situation where the third one sort of leans more into the comedy I'm sure the music will be great because even in both movies, the music is amazing. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. It, but I do think they're going to go more with the the instead of those really impactful themes of the original. So that's that's just something I think is is bound to happen just because of how much time has passed. I mean, that's that's
0: the big question, isn't it? Like, what is the hook going to be for the third one? I, it's I I think before before we really close the book on on back in the habit i wanted to pre- specifically point out oh happy day and uh <laughs> joyful joyful because damn those those are oh, I, I would was, say easily the standouts from this movie yes what <laughs> when when a comes out there and does the oh happy day thing and then he's like you know a very again very sister mary robert style yeah Very, Mike, like internal and kind of like, oh, happy day and like scared to project. And then once he gets in the groove, oh, it's 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 it's
1: a beautiful thing. (laughs) It's it's a moment like both songs are are a moment because like I actually remember (laughs) this is this is kind of a funnier story. You know how you go down a rabbit hole on YouTube? For sure. just yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, you start with one video and then you just like, yeah, it's all over the place. I don't know how I started there, but like, I think I was looking up musical numbers and then I saw like a big choir number and immediately I was like, I want to watch Joyful Joyful. <laughs> I'm like, and I'll look, I'll look up Joyful Joyful and I'm just belting it. I'm like loving my life singing this song. And then you know, then once that happens, now I'm gonna watch every song from from Sister Act, Sister Act Two. Finally, I land on Old Happy Day, and I've just had it. Like I've watched eight videos, and I go to the comment section, and I'm like, you know what? Kathy Najimi is still alive. Harvey Keitel is still alive. Yeah. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's still alive. Maggie Smith is still alive. Why don't we have Sister Act Three? And you know, I'm not posted that thinking nothing of it. That was two years ago. That post got 9,000 likes and 161 comments. And in the midst of me posting that, they announced Sister Act 3. So I'm not saying that I started (laughs) the push for Sister Act 3. I'm just saying that I started the push for Sister Act 3 so, you know, look, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm the reason. Like, because like, 9,000 people were like, Yeah, we agree, and we want Sister Act 3. And yeah. then, now we got it. Look, like.
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Phoenix, for listening
1: to that. You're for Aguirre, you, are, you are welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. All it takes is a YouTube rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. That's, me, it. that's thanks, all you guys. need. <laughs> Once the
0: algorithm gets you, you're just like, want to watch this next? And you're like, Kinda, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's two AM. I should probably get to sleep. But sure, yeah, let's watch some more. We've all been there, Phoenix. But look what came of it. Look what I came think. of it. Now we have Sister Act three. I think it was announced a, what a, a yeah, like a year or so ago, something like that. Yeah. Disney Plus. Whoopi's back, presumably. I, I as, you know, as Dolores, I guess. How, where do you pick it up from here? Like, what is the deal? Because for the longest time, they were talking remake, sequel, remake, sequel. What are we doing here? <laughs> So I feel personally, I feel like what they're going to do is they're going to do both because every s- sequel now is a remake. So I feel like they're going to probably legacy sequel this. And oh, my right. thought is, my thought is that we're going to get Dolores, whether she she's joined the church or whether she's undercover yet again as sort of the mother superior type character because Whoopi has played that role on stage in the in the uh, the musical, uh, you know, a few times here and there, on and off. Like uh, I think in the West End production specifically, what are your thoughts on that? Is what do we what do we want to see from Sister Act three? Presumably, we're getting it this year or next. I don't I don't know what the because uh, there because there's not a lot of information out there. There's just Whoopi's in, she's producing, she's starring Sister Act three Disney Plus. That's all we know. We don't have no supporting cast, director, story, any of that. What what, what do you what do you want us
1: to what what are what are you planning? Because it sounds like you have the inside track on this. I know, right? I feel like they're gonna lean more actually into the Broadway musical story. Now, the 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 Broadway musical is sort of it's it's not exactly like the first film. They've they've really kind of taken some liberties with it and Mm. really switched it around and and mixed it in. So it's it's a lot more religious focus that the Broadway play is. So, but I think they're gonna find a way to blend. The, f- the first two films in the Broadway play into the into the new film because there's just so much IP. This is actually my hope that they could do something totally different. But I feel like there's just so much IP and so much love for these films, even though, like, you know, you could look at the numbers and say those numbers aren't that impressive. But, I mean, these films have lasted 30 plus years. Like I said, my YouTube comment got 9,000 likes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, People really adore these films. So I could see them doing something maybe, maybe the teaching aspect comes back into. I think I agree with you that she goes into a sort of a mother superior role. So I think, you know, yeah, the the Vegas act is great, but I actually think this is where she belongs. So I could see her sticking around mm-hmm. from Sister Act Two to, to Sister Act Three as a teacher. So that that's where I'm I'm sort of believing they'll go. We might get a whole new group of kids. There's I am down on my knees praying every night that we get Lauren Hill back into this story.
0: Can you imagine? Oh can you imagine god. that
1: that would be amazing. I would cry. I would be so happy. I, I can't oh my god, I would be so happy. I'd be over the moon. So like like yeah that's that's my biggest hope is that we get we get Lauren Hill back but yeah I I think they're gonna find a way to blend all of these concepts together and we're gonna get a pretty good original story that's based in modern times and I'm curious as to how that'll turn out.
0: Yeah, same, same. Yeah. As obviously, these two movies. You know, it sounds like we we maybe. Hit the second one, kind of harsh, but I think we're both generally fans of the second one. And Down, like, but
1: definitely, definitely a movie worth checking out for people. I mean, who are- I will. Uh, what I say to people all the time when I recommend it is, even even if you don't like the movie, joyful, joyful, alone. <laughs> yeah, worth, worth the price, price. of admission. Well, it's, yeah. it's worth the price of anything. Whether you see it on Disney Plus, whether you're just like, I have two hours to waste. What am I gonna do? Watch Sister <laughs> Act. And I swear to God, exactly. joyful will make your make your life.
0: Definitely. That being said, what would you say is the legacy of the Sister Act franchise? This is this is now. I'm realizing the third franchise that we've covered in on franchise detours, and this is only like episode twenty something. That is has inspired a a stage musical. We had Evil Dead. <laughs> which is, a, there is a musical and I have seen it here in, in Taylor, oh, Florida. Wow. There is obviously one Spider-Man turn off the dark for, <laughs> for like two seconds. And then this by far, the most successful Tony nominated you know, right. performances all over the world and stuff like that. What is the, the legacy of the Sister Act franchise as it stands now, 30 years
1: removed from the first film? I mean, I just think the fact that we're getting it through, right? Is that this story resonates with so many people. And it's not just Whoopi. And it's not just Lauren Hill. It's like there's this story about finding your purpose and then what you do with it. That that I think hits it out of the park. And I think that's the core of this film of, of these series of films is that you you find your purpose and you do something with it. And you know yeah there's the the religiosity in aspect involved in it what i think it's so unique because it doesn't lean into that that side of the story at all really definitely not in the second right (laughs) you know what i'm saying so it's like it's got incredible staying power especially like no offense and this is gonna sound offensive (laughs) (laughs) but like you know we have faith-based films nowadays Mm -hmm. and. Faith-based films, who? how can I put this delicate, are really, 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 really bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they are really bad. Because they go so ham-fisted in that way that it's like, okay, dude, like, no one can take you serious. So I right. think the, the, the strongest legacy of these films is that they were able to find that balance, find that line, of yeah, we're going to talk about gospel music. Yeah, we're going to talk about faith. Yeah, we're going to talk about religion, but it's going to be about so much more than that. And it's something that I don't think any other film has been able to do since. Which is why I think they're they 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 have to go back to it, even th- now thirty years later. In the first
0: one, Dolores has her 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 gift, but not her purpose. And I think right. that's that's what she has to find. And the fact that this movie, well, you know, these movies, but specifically the first one, the fact that it, it's not so much about the belief system as it is about the values. And I I think that's, that's the difference. Like it, it makes it accessible. It's about, you know, being compassionate and reaching out and helping those in need. Like it's about the, the Christian values, not so much. You have to believe in every word that's in this book kind of thing. And I think that, that's the That's where it splits the difference, and that's why those faith-based films they have their audience, but no one outside that audience watches those things. And because they are so close-minded and ham-fisted and very clear and like this is what we are. If you don't like it, you can you can go watch something else. And we're all like, uh, okay, uh, that's yeah. yeah, exactly. We're a Sister Act, just like we're about you know this, these nuns in this church, and you know, and you know, serving the Lord but also finding your voice and finding your purpose and being true to who you are and all that stuff. And we're like, Oh, okay. I'm listening. What else? You know? And then you add Whoopi and the comedy and the music and everything on top of it, Lauren Hill. And like, well, damn, sign me up. Like, you know, (laughs) even if, even if not all of this applies to me, it it also somehow does apply to me. There's that universality to it. And yeah, I think that's, that's beautiful, beautifully put in, in a, in an environment, thirty years later, I feel like this this movie still kind of stands alone in that in that regard for sure. One hundred percent. Is there anything about Sister Act one or two or the future of the franchise that we haven't talked about that you wanted to
1: make sure we we threw out there before we we say uh, yeah. say goodbye? I mean, I do want to say like I uh, like I don't know we might be this 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 franchise's biggest fans. Perhaps, <laughs> but but as this franchise's biggest fans, I'm gonna anoint us that now. Um, I think so. Like I, if it made this from from our lips to to the filmmakers' ears, who are doing the third one, please, please don't mess this up. <laughs> like, like I cannot stress that enough. Like we 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 went through why exactly it matters, the impact that it has how incredibly moving and powerful it is like you are you are in a very unique position to deliver to deliver something that we've waited literally decades for i just i can't stress it enough please don't mess this up <laughs> please don't mess this up like we'll get it right
0: We'll, yeah. we'll find out and then at some point when sister act 3 drops on Disney Plus I might have to get you back on here we could do a oh, man, uh, we cool. could we could we We're could, uh, could have <laughs> we could be like oh happy day or we could you know do a postmortem like well sister Sorry. act franchise was good uh, say <laughs> <Back> today <laughs> I don't know <laughs> uh, oh, listen to me, man know. yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> But Phoenix, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on to Franchise Detours to talk you. about Sister Act. Can
1: you tell people where they can find you on social? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. I'm the guy with the apparently controversial hot takes uh, <laughs> that I'm learning about now. You guys can also find uh, my show, Film Podcast, on Twitter and Instagram at filmco Pod. And we are available wherever you get your podcasts: Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Captivate, and everywhere else. So, thank you once again for having me on, Rob. Man, I appreciate it so much. Thanks again. Absolutely, anytime, man. And guys, please watch Sister Act. <laughs> yeah, on Disney Plus. Give uh, Give
0: Moon Knight and whatever Marvel has going on a break for the a break. evening, and yeah. yeah, hang out with Sister Mary Clarence. Double feature. They're like three hours. You can blow through both of these movies
1: like I did. Literally, I did it while I was at work. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Big thanks to Phoenix
0: Cloudon from the Film Code Podcast for coming on to discuss 1992's Sister Act and 1993's Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Like I said during the episode, I think these movies are so much fun, especially the first one, and it really stands the test of time. So anyone who hasn't seen this these movies in a while... Or or hasn't seen them ever. Obviously, Sister Act 3 is a thing that is happening at some point. So now's a good time as any to brush up on this classic comedy, which, like we said, was a huge phenomenon back in the 90s. Part of the reason it's still a stage production now after the last few years of success with that. And if you do go back and watch Sister Act now in 2022, let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table. Same handle on Instagram or via email, robert at crookedtable.com. Next episode, we're going to keep this string of standalone episodes rolling before we fire up our next mega series. So we're going to be joined by Lauren Carey of the Beard Owl podcast to talk about the Pee Wee Herman air quotes trilogy, question uh, mark. So that'll be next time. And for now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll see you on down the road, folks.
1: This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-L-O-K-E-D. Z-R-O-L-O-K-E-D. Z-R-O-L-O-K-E-D.